0: Beautiful thing when people come to minister, whether it be here in Frederick, ministering to people's lives, convoy of hopes right around the corner, when we're going to be reaching out to the poor and to the homeless, blessing them in the name of Jesus. What happened down in Haiti and Philippines was people with enlarged hearts ministering in the love of Jesus. Jesus came to this earth with a heart ready to minister. When he came to the well outside of a city called Sychar in Samaria he encountered a Samaritan woman with a parched soul. Jesus knew that if he did not reach her, her soul would go on searching vainly and bitterly. She had come to the well many times, and she was thirsty, and she carried with her an empty bucket. The empty bucket is a metaphor of her life. She had looked for love in so many different places. The fact that she had been married five times before and now was living with a man showed that there was a longing inside her heart that was not fulfilled. Her first marriage had begun with a hope common to um, new love. She expected her marriage would last, carry her through her entire life, but something went wrong, and she was either widowed or divorced. Then came another man into her life, and the fires again began to flame though not as quiet, as high as the time before, and then to flicker out. And then another relationship and another relationship and another relationship. She'd had five different marriages. She was on her sixth relationship and she was broken. What I hear from Haiti is the brokenness of the culture. The roads themselves are broken. They remind you of going up in Gambrel Mountain on the Black Trail, you know, <laughs> riding the roads of Haiti. The schools are broken. The homes are broken. Many of them live in houses six by 12 made of wood and aluminum with roofs of tin. The family structure is broken. The political structure is broken. You saw the presidential palace. Driving by there, you'll learn from the Haitians, this is where the devil used to live. Their politicians have stolen from them. There is cynicism and despair throughout Haiti. Jesus was offering to this woman something better than what she was drinking of. Jeremiah had said, I have two things against my people. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewn cisterns for themselves that can hold no water. Isaiah said, Come to the waters themselves and drink, all who are thirsty. And the psalmist said, As the steer pants after the waters, so my heart pants after thee, O God. Jesus was offering to the woman at the well a drink that would satisfy her soul, a drink of living water. So in John chapter 4, and verse 34, Jesus said these words, in relationship to the scene at Samaria, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. One of the most memorable parts about any trip, is, and especially mission trips, is the food, the food that our teams to Haiti and Philippines ate is something we'll never forget about. You would expect that in Haiti you might get beans and rice, but a delicacy there is goat stew. They were served tender, delicious goat for breakfast. And while in the Philippines, they uh, luxuriated in mango and fish and chicken. Now, we all agree that food is an important part of our life. I remember a mission trip I was on to uh, St. Petersburg, And the most delicious meal I had was there, and it was jello with some meat. And I asked, what is the meat? And the person told me, this is yak. And I said, where did you get the yak? And he said, I hunted for it. Would you like to see it? I said, sure. And his backyard was lying a yak with a piece of hunk, a hunk of meat out of his side, which I was eating. When I was in Africa, I asked again, it's a bad question to ask, what am I eating? And they told me it was antelope. And I said, where'd you get the antelope? They said, at the market. Jesus said that my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was engaged with a conversation with a Samaritan woman. The disciples said, Rabbi, eat something. And Jesus said, I have food to eat you know nothing of. Now, Jesus would enjoy breaking bread with his disciples. He wasn't opposed to eating We shouldn't spiritualize this to say that Jesus and his disciples never broke bread with one another. What Jesus is saying is, I have something to eat you don't have. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What was Jesus' passion was to do the will of his father and to finish his work. Our job upon this earth is to testify to the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Food for the Hungry is trying to get people, leaders of each village, to take ownership of their plan to address the particular issues of each village. In some of the villages, they will need to drill a well. In some of the villages, dig latrines. In many of the villages, to build roads. In some of the villages, to build schools. In almost all of the villages, to hire teachers all the villages, to cultivate land. But I believe the will of God is to see lives transformed by focusing upon the children, and they're seeing the society being transformed for the next generation. Debbie was telling me how receptive the children were to Jesus. Shannon Hicks and Lisa prepared the lessons. Many of the team taught. Sometimes they started with a few children. Often hundreds of children would come from several miles away. It seems that the community Bible study, the vacation Bible school, is a community event. And the word spreads quickly. They've come. And so they come. The children come to hear the message of Jesus. They come from every direction, some walking miles to be there. Now, we know that for every village in Haiti and Philippines, the will of God is for them to hear the gospel. 1 Timothy says this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter says that God is patient with us, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And Romans says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe unless they have heard of him? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? And how beautiful are the feet of them that bring forth the good news. How beautiful are the feet of these teams. How beautiful are their hands that they served and they walked in the name of Jesus. Then John says, and do not say, four more months, and then comes the harvest. I tell you to open your eyes and look at the fields. For they are ripe unto harvest jesus elsewhere would say the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few jesus in being with the multitude looked upon them and felt compassion in his heart as he saw their brokenness and he said here to open your eyes and to look at the fields that are white unto harvest there apparently was a saying in that day that you plant a seed and four months later, you harvest the crop. We know that the crops that are being harvest, planted even now, will have a day when they are harvested. There is a seed that is planted, a seed that is watered, and eventually a crop that brings forth the harvest. The spiritual principle is you reap what you sow. If you sow sparingly, you'll also reap sparingly. If you sow plenteously, you will also reap plenteously. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Open your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ripe unto harvest. You see, Jesus could see what was happening. There was this woman beside the well, and she had come thirsty. She had come longing for fulfillment. She came with an empty bucket. And she heard from Jesus that he had a gift to give to her, the gift of living water. She knew much about dead water, of coming week after week, day after day to the well to try to um, slake her thirst. But she knew nothing about the water that came down from heaven that gives to us eternal life, even Jesus Christ himself. Spiritually speaking, there is a harvest ready to happen in Haiti. But it will take eyes of faith to see it, to see beyond the brokenness of that culture, and the brokenness of the people to see the healing that Jesus Christ can bring. Yesterday, Jimmy and I were planting some little tomato plants outside of my house. And they're only about three inches tall. So we dug a little hole, we planted the the plant, and then we watered the plant. And then we put a four-foot cage around that three-inch tomato plant. And Debbie said to me, that's a mighty big cage with a mighty small tomato plant. And I said, that little tomato plant has got great potential. (laughs) You see, if we only water that plant and fertilize that plant and pay attention to that plant, and the right conditions come for that plant to grow, that plant will grow to be a mighty cherry tomato plant, yielding hundreds and hundreds of cherry tomatoes. You see, if we open our eyes and we look at the fields and believe that there is a harvest... I believe that the children of Haiti are the future. If we will focus our attention upon the children, the future generation, and then partner with the Haitians toward the transformation of their communities, where they begin to take ownership for the issues and problems they have, we'll begin to see great things happen in that land. This dark strain of voodoo will cease to be that which runs through their entire culture. We'll see children being placed in the schools. Mothers and fathers giving attention to their kids. John 4.36 says, Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Our father pays very well, and his rewards are so very worth the effort. Even now he harvests this crop for eternal life. The seed sown in this Samaritan woman brought her to eternal life. Now she could not keep her enthusiasm to herself and she went to her entire village and told them about the radical change in her life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. I tell you, there is joy in putting seed into the soil. There is joy in watering that precious seed and seeing it coming forth out of the ground. And there is even a greater joy in seeing the harvest. You know, when you, ju- when you slice into a juicy red tomato, when you sink your teeth into an ear of corn, when you um, partake of the fresh bread from the oven, you're enjoying the harvest that has been brought forth. It will take eyes of faith to see this, but open your eyes and look unto the field that are white unto harvest. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for, but others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. What was reaped in Haiti, in Philippines, was preconditioned because someone went before them sowing seed. And someone will follow after our teams and water the seed that they had sown, such that the sower and the reaper will rejoice together." You know, Jesus tried to convey to us through three different stories how important people were. You've never looked in the face of someone who did not matter to God. He told the story about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and one of the sheep was lost. He told the story about a woman with ten coins and one of the coins was lost. He told a story about a man with two sons and both of the sons were lost. And so the shepherd with the hundred sheep Search for that one lost sheep. He searched everywhere for that sheep. And when he finally found that lost sheep, he said, Rejoice with me, that lost sheep has been found. And that woman searched her entire house for that one lost coin. She brought out her broom and she swept. And she looked in every corner looking for that coin, most likely her dowry. And when she found the coin, she said, Rejoice with me, for my lost coin has been found. But when the father had lost his son, his son had gone to that far distant country, far away from his reach, and he searched the horizon for his son. And his son had finally come home. He said, rejoice with me, for my lost son has been found. In the Philippines, we know of 35 people who walked into the kingdom because the medical mission team went. And we know in Haiti of the church where Matt was praying, where the children, the 400 of them, began to pray the prayer of salvation, asking Jesus coming into their life. We don't know how many came in, but we do know that some came in. So that those who sow the seed and those who reap the harvest can rejoice together. You see, our church is a sending church. We have sent teams to Haiti. We have sent teams to Philippines. We will send a team to Peru. We will send a team this summer to Philadelphia, to Kensington, to Urban Hope. We will send teams to urban Washington, D.C. We are trying to be about our Father's business. So I ask you to ask the Father, what does have my name upon it? What is God calling me to do? What is the Holy Spirit prompting me to be about? The people on my street, the people I go to school with, the people I work beside? What is my mission field? Acts says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be his witnesses in your hometown, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost places of the world. There is no difference between taking the gospel to the other side of the world, the Philippines, or down to Haiti, or walking across the street to your neighbor with a plate of cookies to love on them, of carrying a meal to someone's home, of just being good news wherever you are. You see, God has called us to mission. And as the Father sent His Son, so He has sent us into this world. We are a missional church. We have a mission here to our community. We have a mission to cross over cultures. And we have a mission to the uttermost places of the world that we might sow the precious seed and water that seed and see a spiritual harvest Come forth. Are you in? Are you on board? Are you seeing yourself as a sent one, as a missionary, as a person on a mission? Jesus said, As the Father sent me, so send I you. Pray with me. Father in heaven, as we've heard these testimonies on this day, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that you have given, the divine appointments the things that which you could only have arranged. Thank you for the precious children that we have held in our laps, that we have sponsored, the communities we're forming relationships with, the people that are so dear and precious in your sight. Thank you that we rejoice on this day for the little children that are coming into the kingdom, for people coming to our medical clinics and hearing the good news. Thank you for the faithful workers. You tell us that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are so very few. So I pray that, Lord, out of this group, out of our church, you'll raise up workers, people who want to do your work and your will in your way. Thank you for Willet, and for inspiring us, their example. We pray you'll lay your hand upon Kat as she ventures off to Uganda. The conversation will continue that even this day some will sign up to be sponsors of these little children. Thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness. And we pray that we might be faithful, Lord, in doing our part of finding the little child and rejoicing that they've come into the kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us, Susan?